Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Wing Addiction Podcast. I'm your host, Josh, and as always, my co-host is my lovely wife, Leslie. Hi, y'all. And we got a winner to pick this week for a pick a puppy contest for an elite pick a name yeah pick a name we picked the puppy you picked the name right for the onyx elite membership and we're going to announce that here in just a few seconds but before we do that let's go ahead and uh, thank who gets us here and that's our sponsors and first is dakota 283 dakota 283 kennels is i guess i don't know it's the only kennel we use it's the best kennel and we love their they're Dine and Dash. They're G3 mediums. We've got a pile of them that we use. And and, and so we always tell you the same things about Dakota 283 and why we use them and how we came to use them and how they became a sponsor. So one new thing I'd like to tell you is that we have left one of these, uh, actually we left two of them, two kennels, two of the orange I guess that's like blaze orange, isn't it? Or yeah, something. It's orange, ken- yeah. We left those kennels out up on the farm in the sun for six, eight months. At least. At least. Yeah, no, probably 10 months. No, I was thinking over a year. No, it's been, we because used them we moved season. into this house. Yeah, but we moved, we used them last hunting season. Yeah, I know, but other than using them, they've been out there. But anyway, oh, yeah, yeah. They didn't even fade. The color doesn't even fade. No, it blew my mind. Like it just dawned on me one day, and I was like, "Josh, those kennels, the coat, they look exactly the same as they did when we got yeah, them." They're, I mean, they're nuts. So, and I don't know that anybody really cares about that, but uh, to me, in my mind, it just means that they're they're durable and they're holding up really oh, yeah, well because the sun's not breaking yeah. them down. You know, no. like it does a yep. lot of things. So, just another added benefit for Dakota Two Eighty Three. Yep, and don't forget if you want to uh, get a Dakota Two Eighty Three kennel, we use the mediums, which most uplanders do. Uh, if you got one of those big seventy-five pound drop hars, or you might you might want to go to a large, but most people use the G three mediums. Uh, go to their website Dakota Two Eighty Three dot com and use our promo code WA Ten to get 10% off that kennel. And if you become a patron over at uh, patreon.com forward slash wing addiction podcast, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash wing addiction podcast, you can get an even larger savings, which it's a huge savings. So it's quite a big savings. Kennels are not cheap. You know that. Yeah, every little bit helps. But if you want to join our, uh, be a patron and join our, patron page you get a lot bigger discount than that and one more quick thing before we move on to the next sponsor if you're thinking about a different kennel um just check the doors out on all of them oh yeah yeah that's all i've got to say yeah anyway moving on anook shook dog food anook shook professional dog food if it's good enough for a whole pack of mushers in canada it's good enough for me it will take care of your dog anywhere anything from their uh, 2616, 2616 formula to the Marine 16 formula to the Marine 25 to the 3025 to the 3232 super high performance. It's they've got you covered from top to bottom. It's uh, if you want less mess, great stools, you know, it's kind of sounds weird throwing that in. A I'll tell you but. this, and you know, again, listen to the other podcasts if you want to hear what all we have to say and how Anukshuk became a sponsor and how all of our sponsors are um, products that we believe in 
and we didn't go fishing for sponsors. No. I'll tell you that. So a nookshook, we've been feeding it to our new puppy that we'll talk about here in a minute for a week now. Yep. And I told Josh that we were we had him around some friends of ours today and we're all standing there looking at him, playing with him, and I said, Look how shiny he is. Mm-hmm. He is shiny. I mean, he just looks And he's a phenomenal. cocker, so good grief, you know he's full of energy anyway. Yeah, but, he's... but I mean I'm telling you, the proof is in the pudding, sport, as they say. Sport Dog Electronics. Um, sport Dog Electronics, from their uh, Tech 1.5s, Tech 2.0 tracking systems to 425X, Upland Specials, their beepers, their in-ground pet containment systems. I mean, they have got the gamut covered from top to bottom. and that's They do. Even if you don't need a training collar, you can use a perimeter collar mm-hmm. on your dog if you need to. They have systems for that. Um, we're partial to them, too, because they're they're native to our area they are but um i if you look online and you look at some of the sites on facebook where you can resell um systems and everything and you'll see the garments and you'll see you know sport dog products too but but they're not cheap and they hold their value and they're good products yep and uh so so anyway and great great customer service yeah bird launchers too they've got it all yep um cable gangs uh, the best tie-out system on the market. It's not even close. I've seen these other big box stores try to sell tie-out systems. I've seen other supply companies, you know, Upland Dog Supply companies, selling tie-out systems that are just don't fool with inferior. It. Yeah. Do you want to take the chance? That's what you know. Why? Why right. would you take the chance? Yeah, because I mean, you're 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 tying a, a very very valuable dog out on and, that, and your friend and your family member right there on that tie-out. You know, don't take the chance don't take the chance and 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 we haven't had one product fail break wear tear nothing yeah and our cable gang system's been sitting on top of those two kennels since last year we're rough on our stuff and uh and we just talked to well a very very cool person that we'll be introducing you to not on this podcast but in the very near future and before we could even discuss our experience with cable gangs he had his own story to tell they've spread like wildfire mm-hmm. and um if you don't if you don't think you need it then you don't know go go yeah. ahead and get one yep exactly and go to their website cable gangs with a z c a b l e g a n g z and use the promo code w a drop that's w a d r o p and what that does is if you order a five-dog system, that'll give you an extra drop. That If you order a three-dog system, you'll have four drops. If you order a two-dog system, you'll have three drops. You know the deal. The key to that is put the extra drop in your cart, and then at checkout, put the code WADROP in, and that gives you that free key. It'll take so it off right if there. So if, if, if you want a six-dog system, you're going to put six drops in there. You're going to put WA drop as the code, and you're only going to have to pay for five of those. Well, if you order, no, no. If you order a, if you want a six dog system, you order a five dog system, and you add an extra drop oh, at the end. That's what I yes. meant. Yes. And, yeah. and that extra drop, um, if he's made a five dog system, you're going to have basically five tieouts in the middle of your uh, cable gang system. But you can take that extra drop and snap it to the end. Stake. To either end. Yeah, to yeah. either end to the and stake. It, and then it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's, and so. It's another drop longer. Yep. 
or you can use that extra drop. Uh, it's great to uh, lead them from yep. the system yep. to the like water dog bowl, whatever, back to the truck to the kennel. Yeah, yeah, well, I use it for a lead a lot. But anyways, check them out, Cable Gangs, and that's Brennan Landry down in Louisiana. A great guy, stand up guy. Check them out, Cable Gangs with a Z dot com, and also, I'll see if she remembers here. We've got a puppy that she's... He is not happy. The puppy is distracted back here in the background. He's, he's not happy he's, with us. He's not happy at all. Onyx Hunt. That's him. How could you forget about Onyx Hunt? Did you forget about it? Uh, no, I never forget about Onyx. I actually use Onyx constantly, not just for hunting. I'll tell you a little trick if you're a parent. If you can see your kid's location... If they're sharing it with you on their phone, or if you have like Life 360 and you can see their location, and you're like, "Hey, whose house is that? Where are they at?" I just flip on over to Onyx Hunt, and I figure out who owns that. Not house. Not that she's a helicopter mom or anything. Oh no, I I will find them. I will find them, <laughs> and I will know you where they are. You think she works for the FBI? I, the I am. So if you it, it, you know, it's great for hunting. Love it. I wouldn't try to use anything else. Um, but also it's double duty because you can totally spy on anybody you want, figure out where they're at. <laughs> so I bet Ben Bredigan's going to really think, geez, what a, what a, a, a sponsor plug for our podcast. we got helicopter moms spying on our kids using it. Check out the, all their cool stuff, crop layers. Um, I mean, you can, a lot of times when we go out of state hunting, especially in Kansas, and and you Nebraska. can see where the crops have been cut, when the crops have been cut. And yes, you can tell what they were last year. You can go on there and say, "Hey, last year it was corn. This year it's either going to mm-hmm. be beans or Milo. Super helpful. Or it's going to be fallow. Oh gosh, yes, that's super fallow. Um, see all super your fallow. What? Yeah, or super fallow. Listen <laughs> to me. Super handy. My bad. Um, when you're in the Northwoods, click on aspens. You can find your aspens. You can find your coniferouses. You can find. Um, burn data. When was this burn last? How was it when it was cut? I mean, it's Onyx Hunt. If you're if you've got if you're hunting with anything but Onyx Hunt, I mean, it's like I don't know. And Helen had, Keller could I, operate that thing. I opened it the other day just to measure a certain plot plotted area on our farm. I just like hit the tools, hit the um, polygon, drew my little polygon, and it told me what the measurement was and so i knew like how many acres i just like enclosed yeah it's it's i mean you can use it for so many things other than hunting so i mean but obviously how many times has people been in the north woods up hunting everything looks the same up there you leave the truck and think yeah i know how to get back you leave one fire break and you're off uh, on a point and you get the flush and you turn around crap which way was the road you know of course leslie i just hoot at her and she hoots back but you know, where it's just drop a pin at your truck and take off hunting. You're not going to get lost. But anyways, I think that's covered our sponsors. We've got a Nook Shook. We've got Dakota 283. We've got Sport Dog. We've got Cable Gangs. And we got Onyx Hunt. That's, that's right. all five. Yeah, and so I'm going to put a plug out there again for Patreon. So um, pa- for Patreon, um, if you want to help us out in terms of, you know, keeping the podcast going, and um, it contributes to our hunt giveaways, which, you know, we're going to start that back up and and we'll be announcing that soon. 
Um, all of those things, you know, to help pay for the prescription, the prescriptions the we probably need prescriptions, the subscriptions, the, um, you know, equipment we use, we travel to trade shows and, and, you know, we travel sometimes to interview some of these people, just like this guy that you're going to hear from here mm -hmm. in just a little bit. Um, so, uh, we appreciate all of you that have been super loyal. We see you, we love you. And, um, Anyone that wants to become a patron, five, ten, fifteen, twenty dollars, whatever package you choose, um, go to patreon.com. Yep. Um, Wing, Addi Wing Addiction Podcast. I think the, you can hit the link in our Instagram bio. Yep. And it should guide you there. Yep. Uh, before we even before we forget it, we was doing a giveaway for an elite membership your onyx elite membership oh, for a year we are going to be doing so much more giveaways we've been talking to our sponsors oh yes and, there's a ton of giveaways so jump on that are Patreon. really working hard for you guys so we're really excited to um to be able to give more and more things away to help your hunting experience i'm gonna go ahead and mention, your hunting experience. i'm gonna go ahead and mention a few things we're giving away we're going to of course give away a bunch of elite memberships for Onyx this year. We are going to be giving away kennels. We are going to be giving away shocking systems. I'm not going to say shocking systems. That was a totally wrong word to say. <laughs> E-collar systems. Um, we're tracking systems. Uh, of course, cable gang stuff. Uh, a Nookshook dog food. Huge discounts on Nookshook dog food. Uh, we've got Hunts. a ton of stuff. Hunts. We've got a ton of stuff coming down Merch. the line. Merch. We are definitely having merch come down the line but anyways um our winner for the name our new puppy contest is tj allen 86 on instagram i think that's terry allen tj mm -hmm. allen 86 um uh, here's the deal though tj terry whatever you go by uh we liked your name the best however we did not name our puppy that. Yes, we did. <laughs> Which we did throw that disclaimer out there that if we don't want, if we don't choose, we may not choose one of the names. We'll still choose a winner. Yes, because we but, definitely uh, want to give them a but winner. But so, yes, so we named our puppy Brew B R U. Um, the reason we named our puppy Brew is because we live in Tennessee. We're huge Tennessee football fans, and the day before we went to pick up the puppy. The day As we chose fact, him virtually. Yes, the day we chose him virtually. And the day that we announced this giveaway, Brew McCoy, a receiver for the University of Tennessee, actually broke his leg and had a career-ending injury that day. And so... It's not career ending. Well, it's Don't season ending. Excuse me. It is season, season ending. ending. No, our prayers are with you, Brew. It is not career ending. It is season ending, unfortunately. But um, phenomenal young man has a bright future still ahead of him. His family was there for that game. It was very, very difficult to watch and very sad. And so our thoughts and prayers are with Brew and, and with his family. And he... I keep hearing good things about him recovering well yes. and getting stronger every day. He's had surgery. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so anyway, our puppy's brew. Yep. Oh, brew boy. A brewberry. I, yeah, I we've, call him brewberry crunch. We've called him everything. Brewster. But brew is his name, B-R-U. So, um, but anyways, we liked, of all the names that was 
thrown out there, TJ Allen 86. We loved Gage. If it wasn't Brew, we would have chosen Gage. Yep. And so we're going to send you an Elite Onyx Elite membership. Yay! It's a $100 value. Now so you can spy on everybody in your family, too. Cue the crowd noise. All righty. This week's um, podcast guest is none other than Mr. Ronnie Strickland. If anybody knows anything about Mossy Oak, which is, we love Mossy Oak camo, um, Ronnie Cuss Strickland is, he's just been there since the beginning. What a cool guy. What a fun guy to talk to. I literally could have sat and talked to him for hours and hours. Um, so I hope you enjoy the podcast. And no, it's not. I mean, we're talking turkey, basically. So it's not, um, we're it's not, not talking chucker. We're not talking quail. But it is a very, very good um, discussion with Cuz and and I hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, and it's just not turkey. It's about him and Mossy Oak. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's it's a lot about Mossy Oak and his story, which is awesome. But course, anyways, but. we hope you enjoy this podcast, and we're glad you stuck in for the 17-minute intro, which is the longest intro we've ever had in the history of intros. We just miss you guys so much. We're out. Here's Ronnie <laughs> Cuz Strickland. Hey, what I'm not okay with is when there's nothing, when there's no talking, because the talking to me is the funnest part. Last year was the Silent Spring, I kept calling. Yes. It was bad. It was bad I'm last predicting year. way better this year. Yeah, last year was really tough. Um, I mean, we had so I mean, so many times we went out, and we knew they were there, and they were not talking. Yeah, not yeah. Talking. yeah I took Steve Stoltz, you know Steve. Uh, Steve come up and stayed with us for four or five nights, and, and we went out, and the, and the first morning, you know, it was one of those mornings where – we was listening to birds fly off the limb, but they wouldn't gobble, you know, and Steve's like, it was late last week of season, and uh, season that seemed like last year to us was late. I mean, we still had breeding hens last week of season, you know, it wasn't like a good turkey season where everything's hand up, you know, after three or four, or hand up for two or three weeks, then, you know, then it's kill time, but, you know, we was last week of season, and they were still running them darn hens, and uh, Steve's like, man, it's just, I know they're here, because we heard one fly off the limb. Well, we finally got into them, and it was just like, you know how they are a lot of times. You never you never know what a turkey's going to do. Nobody knows what no. a turkey's going to do. And the first day, it was just, uh, uh, and then the last two days, they were just, you couldn't do nothing wrong. You know, it was one of those. And so um, he left. He killed his first Tennessee bird with me last year. He said, he never had killed a Tennessee bird. And I was like, now, who's never killed a Tennessee bird? I thought that was everybody's destination, kill a bird in Tennessee. I love Tennessee. Now, they, they, they're opening late this year. We are. But that, that's fine. You know, they're trying to adjust because everybody was scared from last year. That's our card. I ain't got my glasses. Is your name on there, too? Yeah. Yeah. I started to say, wait a minute, mine aren't on there. But, yeah, it is on there. It's, yeah, it's up at the top in the right-hand corner. Leslie. All right. Here, let yeah, me give you a picture. I got, a, I got my glasses, but they're in my Well, that color scheme, you can't see that red on that brown right Yeah, that, that needs to be the same color as that. Yeah. Yes, I, yes, I noticed that after we got them. Here, if you need to write anything down to remember, there's your paper. Yeah, you, you deal with old people a lot, don't you? I got, a, I got a notepad stacked up where we do our podcast. I'm, one of these days, I'm going to just take a picture of it, <laughs> the scratching I got down. Uh, we, we're, I've, There'll be times when we're doing an interview with somebody 
and I'll write him a note, shut up, yeah. <laughs> that's not his name, or whatever, you know. Okay, I, well. Look, here's the deal, and I, I, I love giving this line, it's like behind every successful man, there's a woman standing there rolling her eyes. And I was like, that's me. I got them all behind me. So. Well, I tell you, my dad was a Baptist minister. So my mom's been a preacher's wife, you know. Had oh. a, and, you know, behind every preacher, you know, is a good woman, you know. And that's, that's what everybody, I always tell, everybody always tells dad, if it wasn't for your wife, you know, I've heard that all my life. But, hey, everybody, we've just been rolling. We're going to do some editing later. We're, we're kicking off uh, NWTF convention with no other than uh, I – my hero, one of my turkey hunting heroes. He's the original turkey thug. Mm. We got Cuz Strickland here. Um, I'm your host, Josh, as always. My co-host is my lovely wife, Leslie. Hi, y'all. And we are just going to sit down here, and Cuz has got some campfire stories that he's going to tell today uh, before he does his own campfire session up here at the convention. There's thousands of people running down here. It's, it's, it's loud. It's loud, so if you hear ambient noise, Bear with us. Uh, believe me, it is a turkey convention, but yeah, we hear geese in the background. Cuz, how in the world are you doing, buddy? I'm good. First off, you need to raise your bar. If, 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 if I'm a big deal to you, you need to raise your bar. I'm just telling you. Hey, I, I'm probably I, every year the most blessed person in this building because everything that happened to me to get well known was just accidental, divine intervention, you know, and uh, just acting right and working hard and. Uh, it's still to me humbling. You know, I had a 15-year-old, 14-year-old kid come up to me yesterday and was telling me something he heard me say on the podcast or whatever. And I was like, I, you know, it's just humbling that you can even be relevant to kids that age. But And I asked him, I said, he said, I like the stories better. And I said, why do you like the stories? He said, because I ain't got any yet. Oh, oh, and I thought I was going to cry. <laughs> so you, you just feel like, Hey, if they want to hear it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I always do the G-rated version. Mm-hmm. I had a lady. I, I do a lot of these wild game suppers. I get asked for whatever reason. And this was a big one. And she came up after the deal was over. She had three boys. You was telling me about how many kids you got. Y'all are awesome. But anyway, she had stair-step boys. I'm guessing 14, 10, 8, something like that. She said, but I put your podcast on their phone. And I was like, that's sweet. She said, but it's... It's G-rated, and I trust you. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about that. Yep. But I tell, it's like I tell Cranky, my youngest grandson, he's been on all these videos. Everybody knows him. Mm-hmm. I saw him over there a while ago signing a hat. And I said, Cranky, the more well-known you are, that comes the responsibility mm-hmm. of how you act. Because people are watching. They think you're a certain way. And they think they know you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, that's confusing to him. He's like, mm-hmm. Pop, I didn't know who that was. And I said, well, comes with responsibility. They think they know you. Shake their hand. Do the right thing. And uh, that's one thing the outdoors has done for me. It's like it's going to teach you a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, you know we, we, we've been doing this podcasting gig for, what, two, three years now? Two years now. And just like last night, we were out at a, the Nashville Palace over here last night and uh, listening to some music. And... I handed a card out to a guy. He asked me who I was and everything. And as soon as you say, you know, I said I was with a podcast, he starts telling all of his buddies, you know. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, you're a public figure whether you want to be or not really, you know, and I don't consider myself a public figure. You know, this is something we do just because 
We didn't think anybody would listen. You wouldn't oh, think anybody yeah. would listen. You know, when you start looking at your analytics and we got listeners in 13 countries and you're like, how in the world? This is weird. But, you know, because you've been around, you know, you got your start. I'm, tell my age, I'm 46. So I've been watching you back, you know, in the VHS days, you know, TNN, everybody, you know, watch Hunting the Country and all that. Um, the, the Dan Fitch, it was Dan Fitch, Gerald. It was you, Will Primos, and I'm trying to think of who else. I had. I, I just watched over and over and over. That was who I was on, you know, TNE. Of course, the Dan Fitzgerald. He was the bow hunter with, that uh, had the big beard that everybody bought his VHS tapes. He never made it to to uh, TV, but everybody loved watching watching you and Will Primos. Now you and Will Primos go back a long way. Yeah, that's a funny story. The uh, first video camera I ever saw came in. I was working at a sporting goods store behind the counter and was pretty good at it. Rig bows, I love that. And the first video camera I ever laid eyes on came to Sears and Roebuck in Natchez. A buddy of mine bought it and he brought it up there and we immediately, I was like, let's go film a turkey. We turkey hunting every day before work. And so we got, you know, some little camo stuff. Wasn't even mossy oak way back then and covered it up. And I was going out hand-holding, trying to film somebody killing the turkey. Got fairly good at it. And I would send those VHS tapes to Will because we were using his mouth calls. Oh, true doubles. I love his stack calls. And he, uh, man, I filmed eight or ten hunts, and he literally showed up, drove from Jackson down to where I was in Natchez with this giant, giant TV camera about half the size of this table. They had been trying to film a turkey and hadn't got it done. He said, you think you could film a hunt with this? And I was like, I was looking at him going, I don't know. So anyway, I said, I'll try. So I got the camera. He bought it from a TV station, used. And when the, the camera with a cable that hooked to the recording deck, which I eventually put on a backpack, and the tripod had wooden legs and a big lead head, 88 pounds when oh I put gosh. it on the scale, all that stuff. Anyway, I figured out how to turn it on and record. The tapes were really big, three-quarter inch, probably, I don't know, 11 inches across and then big, heavy, heavy stuff. So anyway, we gave it a little try part-time. He, and I remember he, if I if Saturday or if I got a day off, he would pay me $10 a day and six cents a mile. That's what I was getting. <laughs> and anyway, so, and we got some stuff and figured some stuff out. So the next year I went full time and uh, there I am filming. I went and told my wife, I said, I, you know, I had a, 50-hour-a-week job. I'm fixing to start filming turkey hunts. And she was like, you are? She was like, but, I, you know, I wasn't as good a guy. I mean, I'm a, I'm a good husband now. I was probably a little bit of a jerk, as we all are when we're young. I said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, of course, that's right, yeah. Of course, her being the rock, she kept everything running. But, anyway, it was a big education. Filmed that spring, got 12 or 14 hunts, did not know what I was doing. I'll never forget, we took some of the tapes to a guy that knew how to edit at the TV station, and he put that first tape in, it's real blue, and this all manual settings, he said, he said, did you take a white balance? And I'm like, what's a white balance? He had to show me how to white balance so that all the footage wasn't blue out. I didn't know anything. <laughs> anyway, we we're sitting there putting all this stuff together. This is my version and the true version. And we got 12 hunts, how many it is, and, and uh, looking through this, and we've kind of decided on what the 
cover will be. And Will's like, what are we going to call it? And I said, call it the truth because that's what it is. We didn't, we just found what we did. Right. And little did we know that would be, a, that especially that first one, that, that turned into a cult movie. It's, it was unbelievable. Everybody had the truth. What did you put out? At least one a year, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah, it you know, I did the first one. And then I helped them with the second one, and I moved and went to work for Mossy Oak. But uh, it's still, I mean, I'll have, you know, 50 people come up to me or more. Mm-hmm. Everybody that's coming to that deal I'm doing at 2 o'clock has either seen that video or heard of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, that's pretty cool. Didn't know it at the time, but it was a game changer. So you, so you know carrying that 80, 88 pounds of equipment on your back, Chasing these turkeys was a, a simple, a simple project, wasn't it? I mean, it, oh, it, you could just jump through the thickets. I so, told everybody it was a Jenny Craig program. So <laughs> yeah. That year, I lost, I, I probably lost 30 pounds that spring. Dakota 283 kennels are molded and assembled in the USA. Dakota 283 is dedicated to building unparalleled pet protection and tailgate lifestyle products for you and your best friends. Check them out today at Dakota283.com. Got in pretty good shape, but uh, and you see all the stuff. And back then, nobody was doing it. If you got a, if you got a turkey's head behind a bush, I'd call my buddy and got him. Come here, look at you. Ain't gonna believe this. And now people are shooting stuff with their phone, out of their pocket. This TV quality, but it was setting that stuff up. It would take me, you know, several minutes to get everything. Throw the mic out. Uh, it was a struggle. Because back then, with the editing like it was, how many hours of footage do you oh. think you laid down before you made a show to make one good show? Oh, well, TV was a big deal. I mean, we would probably, I don't know, Hunting the Country, I think it aired in 95. Mm-hmm. We had 13 weeks, 13 shows, and we probably shot, we shot video for a couple of years, but it would take, uh, I mean, you, you go somewhere, here's a typical example, you go somewhere and you, you film a deer hunt in whatever texas and you'll be there seven days and you know you'll shoot a tape or two a day probably so i'd say you got 14 tapes back then they were 60 minutes long so you do the math on that oh yeah and then the edit who's ever editing those would have to go slowly through those tapes it would take probably two or three weeks to get it down to 22 minutes and 40 seconds the rest is commercial time it was a at one time at Mossy Oak we had five TV shows running, three of them were 52 weeks. Now you think about how much footage, and they were all hunting shows. We had a show on the Golf Channel called Second Season, Whistling Wings, Hunting the Country, American Hunter for the NRA, and Remington Country. Yep. All those running at one time. All those edited out of the same building. Uh, yeah, at that time they were our, we, of course the edit rooms were, everybody does it on a laptop. I edited a seven minute video yesterday on my phone and put it up on social media. But yeah, the, the old Mossy Oaks, we started with one and then we moved into across the street from our main office, the old Western Auto Building we renovated, but it looked like NASA because those machines were big, big, long time to render anything. It was such a time-consuming workload. I went over to Mississippi State, and we got ready to get in the TV business. They had a broadcast school over there. Thank you, God, for that. <laughs> and, and I was—I hung around, met the dean, and I was looking at their class. I said, Is anybody out there hunt? 
And he said, yeah, that big boy right there. His name was Steve Davis. Hired him on the spot. He wasn't even out of college. And he, he was brilliant. He brought, told us what we needed, put the first one together. And, man, we're hunting the country, 95. We're making them out of Mississippi. So that part was fun because they – you get up into the big time TV, which that was. It's like sometimes from you Mississippi, people don't think you wear shoes, right. much, much less have enough sense to pull that off. Right. And we did. And then two years into that run, we were like the highest rated thing. I was pretty proud of that. Oh, I guarantee I can't you. Imagine the excitement, yeah. like to see something progress like that, to go from nine dollar hotel room <laughs> yeah. and. Stuff like that. I mean, to me, it's just amazing when that when God has a plan for you, and it works out like that. It just you can't even make sense of it, yeah. you know, to see the progression of things like that. So don't just don't get in His way. No. Right. Some some people can see a defining moment if it hit them in the face. You know, you just, you either think like that or you don't. But I I, I can tell you a hundred instances where He was pushing us around. Whoop whoop. Put yeah. your, you know, it's, it's just, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it was amazing timing. And Will Primos will tell you, and Toxie will too, the timing they had was you couldn't do what they did starting today. Mm -hmm. Their timing was luck, yeah, and it was immaculate, and they uh, they did a good job, worked hard. Well, it's two visionaries. They saw, yeah. they was looking ahead, and they got it at the right time. It's just like these these tungsten guys, these like Apex and and all these companies. They, they got in at the right time and look at the, they took off. So you put down a lot of footage. You've done it for a living. Was it, and you had to love it to do it. Did it ever feel where it was more of a job than it was a having fun? Or did it always a passion? Or did it, did it always, did you always have that burning desire to do it whether you was getting paid or not. Did it get kind of, oh, uh, did you ever get to where you was like, man, I really don't feel like going out here, but I got to, it's my job. Yeah, I, I tell a story. The first year I did it for Wilbur, it was pretty relentless because you're working so far over your head. I would get discouraged because I didn't feel like I had the training. I knew I was the, the hunting part was okay, and I was struggling to get turkeys in front of the camera. Went every day. I didn't miss a day. This is a story, I'm not gonna tell it up there, but it's like 40 something days in a row, boom, my wife's looking at me when I come home. If I came home, I may be at a hunt camp. Last day of the season, I was like, I, you know, season closes, this is the last, I gotta go. I was at home. I was like, what I'd like to do is get up and fix her breakfast and get some honeydews out. <laughs> anyway, I got up and got my stuff. I was a little despondent that morning. Took off down the road. I knew I was just going to home Chitter Forest. I was going to right. started raining like cats and dogs. I'm like, good deal. I'm going back. And uh, eased in there, you know, put all that stuff up. She's still in the bed. Eased in those covers like that. And she was facing away from me. She said, boy, I thought he would never leave this morning. <laughs> and I was like, she was playing a trick. And I, I said, you know what? I ain't going nowhere for about six. And she, she grinned, but anyway. Cable Gangs. Cable Gangs is your one-stop shop for premium tie-outs for all sporting dogs. One dog or 20. They have a system 
for you, whether it's a single dog stakeout or a multi-dog cable gang, they also offer endless customization so you can get a system that fits your needs for your dogs. Also, check out their force fetch systems, quick-release tie-outs for retrievers, and impact-reducing roading rigs. Cablegangs.com with a Z. That's C-A-B-L-E-G-A-N-G-Z.com. That's Cablegangs. Yeah, I, I, I would get in. I would get discouraged because I didn't feel like I was doing enough. But right. that passion I had for the the hunting part, I mean, I, I still got it now. You know, mm-hmm. I'm 68. Now I got a little light lightweight camera, and I can still shoot some stuff. But now it's all about going with grandkids and young right. people. My my big deal now is my most exciting event is the, always the wounded vets hunt in Florida. It's about 10 days going with you know highly wounded. Uh, usually Marines. Yeah. We do about ten, five in each camp. Lasts about four or five days. And most times they're in wheelchairs, and uh, we're not with an outfitter. We're, we're Florida Land uh, Cattle Company, the Florida Cattlemen's, just opens their ranches up. So you got to go find them, and all that. But it's like when you see somebody in a wheelchair, you know how hard it is to kill a turkey oh, yeah. by yourself, and have a person in a wheelchair do that. Mm-hmm. On a Florida turkey, yep. it's like you think God ain't watching down on oh, that. Yeah. You are you're crazy. Mm-hmm. But uh, that is the most rewarding thing I do. It's kind of changed me. We've been doing it forever. I really look forward to that one, and uh, still as uh, passionate about that mm-hmm. as I as I've ever been. Yeah, it's it's like Jason with a KT team. I mean, without God and technology, you know, you've got a guy that's wounded from the neck or that's paralyzed from the neck down. That can't do nothing, but, you know, but talking, and, and for him to be able to kill turkeys, it, you know, it's he can call now, and he can yeah. call. But <laughs> that stuff like that, it, it, it's it's just awesome. So, you know, who is your hero? Who in the turkey world? Who is your hero? Well, in the turkey world, in the turkey world, oh, who was your hero? Tom Kelly, because I, when I started, there wasn't anybody talking about it. I knew two people. My dad didn't turkey hunt. He was a 20-year Army guy, and he was kind of a clerical guy. When he retired from the Army, he was the sports editor Mm -hmm. for our newspaper, Big Fisherman. To this day, best fisherman I ever knew that didn't have a boat. We (laughs) we were bank walkers. Anyway, he didn't turkey hunt, didn't hunt hardly much at all. He would go deer hunting with us once a year. I had an older brother. But I I read, I found, and I don't even know how I saw the book, I read the Tom Kelly's book, The 10th Legion. Uh, and I can, I don't read nothing. I just don't read. I read menus. That's it. But I read that book. I read it kind of every year, and I was like, golly, that's fascinating. If you've never read The 10th Legion, begin with, he's an unbelievable storyteller. And I was like, that kind of clicked a fire. And about the same time, I saw an article in Outdoor Life where Ben Rogers Lee killed a turkey in Texas. First off, I didn't know they had turkeys in Texas about him, you know, he went across a fence and squeaked the wire in the staple and a turkey gobbled. And he says he called the turkey up squeaking that when I was like. <laughs> but when I read Tom Kelly's book, found all his other books, it was such a, it was like, golly, that, I, could, I, could, I could do that. Mm-hmm. And he, he explained what the rules are and how you gotta have character. And it, it was just the most entertaining thing ever. So I, I ended up going to Texas. I'm going to tell that story today on my own in my 63 Chevy pickup truck 
that I just put a floor shifter in. You could see the highway the whole time. <laughs> looking down there by myself. But uh, when I got to hunt with Tom Kelly, it was a little uh, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, oh, well. it was like playing catch with Mickey Mantle. Exactly. It'd be like but me turkey hunting with you. He, I, have a, I posted a picture one time on my Instagram with my wife standing with Tom Kelly. He was here, and he was, this was years ago. And I put an air, and I said, inspiration. And like that, to hers, I put support. I said, you want to be too, you want to be good, you got to have those two things, and then you got to put your nose to the grindstone. But I, and I got to, we, Toxie and I took him, I took him to get his first Miriam, and then he got a Rio with us, and he was like, he, he didn't know that world existed. Really? Hunted his whole life down there at Spanish Fort, Alabama. So getting to show him the other side of things, I'll, I'll, I'll always be grateful for that. Do you remember your first hunt with him? With Tom Kelly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was uh, down there with him, Spanish Fort, Alabama. And, I, you know, I met him. He's a little gruffy guy back then. This was many years ago. Actually, you know, lifelong military guy. He wasn't unfriendly, just to the point. Right. And uh, I wanted to film him because I wanted to be a record of who Tom Kelly is. None of these people knew who he were. Hardcore turkey hunters knew. Not any of these people, I'm telling you, walking around here would know who Tom Kelly I wanted to film him and put do and catalog all that. So we went down there and uh, got up. I drove to his hunting camp, which wasn't much, and it was mostly deer guys. Got up the next morning, and uh, I, I didn't take any calls with me just because I didn't want to. Right. I did have my tube call up underneath my T-shirt. I, I just can't leave that. But anyway, we're, he and I talking to him, and uh, he said, now, what do you do? When I sit down, I said, Mr. Kelly, you, you hunt. I'll back up and get out of your way. And just, Okay. So we go sit down, a couple of turkeys gobble way off, nothing, nothing. Finally, he gets that old box out and hits it two or three times. Turkeys fly down, go the other way, nothing. And uh, I remember, he, and he was, he, was, he didn't have a turkey vest. He had an old Life magazine or something rolled up. He rolled it out and sat down. <laughs> so we, we, we walk around, he had a crow call about the size of a shotgun shell and he'd blow it every once in a while. Went back, ate lunch. Wasn't a big afternoon guy. He ain't big on that. Next morning, we're in the same spot. Same two turkeys gobbled maybe once, twice a piece. Yep, 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 on the box. Flew and went to the other way. So we're walking around. It's pretty that day. No wind, kind of cool. And we get down in this big bottom, and he blows the crow call and starts to walk off, and I couldn't stand it. I said, Mr. Kelly, you mind if I call one time? I don't give up, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I got that tube collar, bat, bat, bat. And he, he grabbed that tube collar and pulled it to him and said, why ain't you been tooting on that thing the whole time? <laughs> he just, he, that ain't what, that ain't how he did it. Right. Yeah. So he, he learned a little something. I learned a little something. And we got to be buddies. And I took him down to Portland Landing. That was to my favorite TV show, one of the most highly rated things we ever did. I did a show, an episode called Afternoon on the Handles. Mm-hmm. That's yep. a chapter in his book where he was talking about bearing Jim Hart Andrews. And uh, that, that we got to be fr- as good friends as we can be. He's, you know, 30 years older than I am. Right. But uh, that, that was kind of one of the coolest things that's ever happened is being able to be around him a little bit. So well, love did, that. Did, did you kill the turkey? 
The one in no, the, not, the, the, no, indeed, we did not. We uh, there was a ditch right there, big, pretty, you know, cut over, and they'll leave you the streamside management zone, and <laughs> it's a pretty ditch up through there. And we picked the wrong side going up there. Well, he was seventy something at the time, and when we got up there, the turkey was on the other side, and it was kind of wide open. I was like, well, he said, well, we're going to go back to cross in that cross, and by that time, that turkey's his window was shut. But we, we killed several. We killed one at uh, Portland Landing with that tube call that I kept going for a couple of hours and moving him and moving him. And he finally shot the turkey, turned around and said, Cuz, you got to learn how to get out of your own way. <laughs> we killed him about where we started uh-huh. two hours later. He would say what was on his mind. But I, I, I loved his books. And his character, and yeah, had a good time. So, so now when you was hunting with Tom, <clears throat> let's stay on Tom here just a second. When you when you was hunting with Tom Kelly, did you notice? I mean, what did you notice about the way he hunted? Was it his, was it his woodsmanship that you thought made him such a good turkey hunter, or do you think it was his calling? No, well, back then it was nobody knew what to do or how to do it. Some old person taught him how to do it, and uh, he he hunted just like we do, but he, he wasn't gonna go sit on a clover field and all. <clears throat> he knew how to owl hoot at daylight, sit down, would not call one in the tree, wait till it flow down, used the box most of the time. I, I didn't. He, by the time he got with us, to, I think we were in North Dakota where he killed his meat. He had an old mouth call, something he'd beat out of lead. It, it, it wasn't so much his skill level. He did walk very quiet. He's not a big man whatsoever. It was To me, it was like he was the first one to start talking about it. He was who I looked at to say he, he gave me that inspiration. He, uh, he, I don't know if he was a great hunter. He said his calling was average at best, mm-hmm. and I would agree with that same way with mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get in the intermediate kids division <laughs> calling contest at this thing. I don't right. know if you ever listened to them. Oh, little. I recorded the whole thing last year, yes. I was emceeing it. Yeah. And I, my daughter was sitting out there lawn texting me, and uh, I, I would – Caller number so and so, and they'd get up there and yell. And Laura sent me a text. He sounds better than Dave Owens. He sounds, and I was like, yeah, I'm glad I ain't in that contest with them ten year olds. Getting back to Tom Kelly, he just averaged everything. It to me was just bigger than life. Yeah. And he was the first guy I read about. Yeah. And and showed me kind of. I went with him. And this is how I turkey hunt. Now he got a big kick out of the way I turkey hunt. And he, he, the last book I wrote, I did the truth, the whole, nothing but the truth. He wrote the forward, and it was one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me. And he, he said stuff about my tube call would knock the bark off of trees and all that. <laughs> but he enjoyed that. It kind of expanded his horizons, mm-hmm. and just like he expanded the horizons for countless people, mm-hmm. you know, who read the Tenth Legion or. Better on the rising tide, or whatever book they bought. So that that may be one of the most special things ever. Yeah, and and that you just talking about his calling. That kind of segues into the next thing I was going uh, like to talk to you. But hear a story about who is the best turkey caller that you've ever sat beside at, on a tree on a turkey. It's hard to say. You know they get better and better. You know my my, my heyday was going with the top callers was over, but. I've been with everybody, Paul Butsky, Dick Kirby, Preston Pittman, Eddie Saw. I've been with all them guys, and they're all different. They all hunt different. Nobody has 
Larry Norton at one time, he was a guy at Vent Creek Lodge. Mossy Oak used to put on the World Turkey Calling Contest, which was gigantic. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we did it for five or six years because we just wanted, we loved it. We wanted to have two contests, mm-hmm. Grand National and the World. Anyway, Larry Norton won the World back to back, 90 and 91. I would look at him and go, it was humbling. Oh, yeah. Couldn't sound like him, but I'm, a, I'm fixing to make a point. I wanted to film Larry, and I, he was so busy, guy. I took him to one of our spots the last day of that season, whatever, after 91, whatever. And it was the last day, and I didn't have high hopes to even hear in a turkey. But I wanted to interview him and get him to yell. Right. So I pull up to our pasture there, wherever we were, and it's pitch black, and I hear a turkey gobbling in the pitch black. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway, I told him, we get down there and get everything. Be quiet now. This, this is going to be our only chance. Get him down there, and he's at the bottom. There's a creek. Turkey's on this side. We're good. He sits in front of me, and I'm back there with that giant camera. And uh, finally, it gets daylight enough, and I'm like, I'm good. He's like, let me know when you got enough light. <laughs> hey, I'm good. Turkey's gobbling. I'm like, every minute, this is a ghost. It's just one of them weird days. Turkey gobbled every minute on its own. Hey, Larry, I'm good. Let's go. I'm good, man. I got plenty. Never called, never called her. And finally, about 100 yards down the creek, a hen, she didn't cackle, but she made a couple little sounds when she pitched out. Baby, and that gobbler went, whoom. Never heard him again. And I was, I was looking at Larry going, dude, you, you are the back-to-back world champion turkey caller. Why didn't you cluck, do a fly-down cackling? I don't call to them while they're in the tree. See, that's old school, and that's how he did it. But I'm telling, I'm looking you and I telling you, if Larry would have done one thing, anything, that turkey would have would have flew down and landed in front of us. But that's how turkey hunters are. They're different. Yeah, they're setting their ways. True. They're setting their ways. And I'm like, if I sounded like him, and I don't cut and cackle when they're in the tree, but I am not scared to get my name in the hat. You know, with a club. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like to do that. You may turn around on the limb. If you sound okay, you got nothing to lose. Because mm-hmm. if there's hens in the equation, you better get your name in half. But it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a very unique thing. People are all different about it. Whether you're there or whether you're wanting to get there, know where you're at or where you're going with Onyx Hunt, check us out at onyxhunt.com. Well, you know, it, I, I'm, you, know you, you learn. You're never too old to learn. You know that. You know, you probably learn stuff every time you go with somebody, you know, even yeah. somebody you've hunted with. Last year, I learned Steve Stoltz come up to the house with us for a few days, and I'd never seen anybody do what Steve done. We had a turkey hang up in the middle of an open field, and there was a, it, it's kind of a, uh, there was a bunch of early succession. It was about a 25, 30-acre field. Half of it was early succession, and then there was a, a food plot cut right through the middle of the, the thicket, if you want to call it, and then it made an L turn. Well, right around that early, right around the corner of that thicket, we heard one just gobbling his head off. And and when you're hunting with a world champion like Steve, yeah. you know, you, I, I'm like you. I'm not going to call. No, you know, not. I consider myself a pretty good turkey caller, but Steve, I'm going to let Steve call. So we're sitting there, and Steve's got work in his bird, and he's just shaking the trees. And I'm and he's, I said, what are we going to do? He said, you call. I'm going to go kill the bird. And I was like, you're going to go kill the bird? He's like, yeah. He said, every time he gobbles, he said, I'm going to make a move on him. And I thought, and so what I done was he had me to stay on where we was at. 
have my call in my mouth, and I would call, and every time that turkey would gobble, Steve would run as fast as he could run, about six or seven steps, and stop. And then he'd do the same thing. And then he got around the corner where he could see the turkey, and I thought, well, he's not gonna do it now. And he'd motion me, and I would call that turkey to top, and every, he ran toward that turkey in an open field, and the turkey never ran. Wow. And I said, how did you do that? He said, when a turkey gobbles, they can't see, they close their eyes. And so I've never seen anybody do it. And so I've seen Steve Stoltz stalk a turkey in an open field with that turkey looking at him. As long as that turkey would gobble, Steve would run toward him. But he didn't, the story goes, he didn't kill the turkey. I had him gobbling in the last movie made when he was gobbling, the turkey flew. And I said, and he was, at this time, we closed the distance from 125 yards to probably, he was 50 yards of this turkey looking at him in open field. And he came back to me, shaking his head, took his headband off, and he said, I know why that turkey's still alive. And I said, why is that? He said, because that's the smartest turkey I've ever had. I said, why is that? He said, I've never, ever had a turkey see me move when he gobbles. He said, that turkey's smart enough that he sent something and saw me move. Because he said he flew in mid-gobble, and he did. That turkey was a go, 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 and started, took off flying. He said, that turkey will live. You'll probably never kill that turkey. He said, that's a smart son of a gun. But yeah, I, I learned that you can move on a turkey when he's gobbling. I never knew that. Hey, they, everybody's got their own game plan. You know, about, you know, I went with a guy who owned a big time call company, old brand, and uh, wanted to film it. You know, mainly friction calls, especially box calls. And he, he got, went to his little cabin down there in South Mississippi. He, uh, he's like, now, nah, don't you leave all your yeppers and stuff here? We'll reuse his call. That's cool. And we got up the next morning out to this pasture, and he had a blind built that I could have lived in. It was it was elaborate, <laughs> logs and stuff, and it was out in the middle of this beautiful pasture, country there. And we heard a couple of turkeys at daylight, and they passed by a couple hundred yards, and he crackled, yep, just a little bit, and they kept going. And then we snuck out of there about one o'clock. I'm like. I was stunned and amazed that he had a call company, and that's how he hunted. But that, to them, was turkey hunting. Right, yeah. And he didn't want me popping on that tube call to scare his turkeys. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, hey, I get it. If you make turkey sounds, it ain't going to scare them. But everybody's so careful. I wrote a chapter in my book called The Magic Number, which is three. And once a person has killed three turkeys, you can't teach them anything. They know it. And I was like... Probably right, and it's uh, so I, I'll just take it in, whatever you want to do. I'm good with it, you know. No matter, I don't, I don't know about knowing everything, but probably after her about third turkey she killed, she started giving advice hey, we need to be down oh, here, you know. Yeah, I didn't take my wife that long. <laughs> I soaked that. it up, yeah. you know, like I did learn a lot. I, I mean, you don't, you don't just go out there for no reason, you it, know, it is there's nothing like it. Because it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. I know it's short and sweet. Uh, we've only been, it's about a 40-minute deal here, but I want to get you back. And any time you are in Tennessee and you want to kill a turkey, you give us a call. You've got an open invitation. We hunt public land. It's, it's but, you know, there's, we got, we're blessed with a lot of turkeys. Um, and uh, you've got an open invitation anytime you want to come well, we up. we got a little farm. We ain't afraid to shoot them on the farm. Either. Yeah. Yeah, we got, we got some private land with him, but I, I, I'm the, I'm like you was, I've heard a lot of Cuz Strickland podcasts, and I know how you hunt, 
and I know how you used to hunt. We hunt like you used to. I like to run and gun on those things. <laughs> and uh, But we got, like I said, we got the private farms. But anytime you're up, because you got an open invitation, and it was a pleasure, and I could sit here and talk for hours and hours. Well, um, we've got appointments just like you do, but because we are definitely going to have to get together and, you know, and, and do one on one of those long, drawn out, a little bit more about Cuz the Self podcast down the road, but with everybody, everything going on here, we want to thank you for, thank you for being a, a part. Sorry, we've got interruption up here. Let's wait till this is over. Man, we had somebody on the infomercial on the speaker there trying to trying to sell some stuff. Fifty dollar blind. Fifty dollar blind. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, because we're we're definitely gonna have to get together again sometime, and we want to get Laureen on here. That's 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 my wife's. My wife loves Laureen, so we're gonna have to get you and Laureen on here sometime, uh, and, and do another one. But man, hey, like I said, it's you have always been my favorite. One of my favorite guys to watch on on TV, and it's it's like. What is the word they use nowadays? It's uh, surreal. Yeah. You know, having you on here and, and being able to do this. That's not a new word. Well, it, it's. <laughs> it is to me it's, and him. It's new for him. Yeah. It's, it's new He's for from City Co. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, I appreciate it. I'm very humbled. I always am. And I, I appreciate you guys having Lauren. We're probably a way better podcast than I am. <laughs> I can promise you that. But, you know, the, I can't, you're talking about come hunt on your farm. God bless you. I know that's a big deal to ask somebody your farm. We didn't have any turkeys on my farm. I killed one during COVID. My wife was outside potting stuff, and she came in. She said, there's a turkey goblin. I was like, yeah. And she came back in 10 minutes later. She said, I'm not going to tell you again. There's a turkey goblin down there, what we call the swing set field. And I went down there. I was like, oh, man. I got this. <laughs> and anyway, caught the turkey up. Boom. In that instant, millisecond, I pulled that trigger. I, I regretted it because it's like, that's the First turkey on my place, only turkey, and I, I should have saved him because I'm used to saving them for somebody. Right. Yeah. So I don't normally kill turkeys. I killed one last year with Harold Knight, mm. which was on my bucket list. But uh, just being there, it, it don't matter. Turkey, it don't matter who's shooting it. If you're focused on just shooting the turkey, you're missing the whole boat. And the cool thing about turkey hunting, just being, get on the team. Mm-hmm. Yep. Listen, hear them, see them, yelp them. That's the cool thing, but I take your invitation to heart, and I appreciate it. God bless y'all. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.